The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Hey, Johnny. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? Fucking... to the two-man power trip of wrestling i'm your host jp john pause and with me today a very special guest he is a wrestling reporter a publisher and editor he is of course the one and only iwc's favorite son apparently brad shepherd brad <laughs> welcome into the two-man power trip how you doing i may have fudged that one i'm doing well thank you um looking forward to chatting with you john now you're saying you're not IWC's uh, favorite son. And I, you know, obviously know that you're definitely not, but obviously, you know, there's a little bit of sarcasm in there. Yeah, uh, I try to do sarcasm well. That doesn't always translate to social media, but, you know, what can you do? Why are you IWC's favorite son, by the way? Why Why the hate? What's going on? I, I think, honestly, John, a lot of it has to do with going against the group think. A lot of it is culture-based and political-based even, there's a lot of those tie-ins. Um, I have opinions that are different than what the group thinks should be right now in accordance with this sort of SJW PC culture, the woke culture, so to speak. Um, so when I say something like, I think women's wrestling sucks, I, I'm just not a fan. Um, you know, they get completely triggered because that is not what you're supposed to think. You're supposed to think women's wrestling is the greatest thing ever. And it's just as good as men's wrestling. Everybody knows that's just not true and that's okay, but that's the truth. And that's what we need to tell. And I, I think they don't like that. What is it about women's wrestling that you don't like? It's a totally different standard. And I used this example before Brandon DeGrote could not get signed by a major wrestling company. But when he transitioned to Nyla Rose, he was indeed signed to a major wrestling company. Um, what was the difference? Well, he wasn't good enough as a male wrestler, but because there's a different standard, it was okay as a women's wrestler. So there's just an entirely different uh, believability between a men and a women's match. There are exceptions. I really love China, loved Ronda Rousey. You know, so there are definitely those exceptions, but that's, you know, that's not the rule. And so I, mean, I just think it's a, it's a, it's, it's, it's just saying that there is more likelihood that men are going to be better wrestlers, you know, have better matches, et cetera. And again, that's not a bad thing. That's not, 
I'm just simply stating a truth. And, and I think women's wrestling works best anyway, when it's a special attraction rather than, you know, 50, 50 with men's wrestling, because it's not as good in my opinion. Now, is that all women's wrestling? Like, would you include Charlotte Flair and Sasha and like all like the tippy top of the WWE as far as the ladder of women's wrestling is concerned? Yeah, I don't think it's great. I mean, certainly Charlotte is in real life, obviously very athletic. There's no denying that. But, you know, I, I just think even the top echelon of women's wrestling is not as good as most uh, mid-card men wrestlers. You know, it's just it's just the way it is, and that's my opinion. But I, I think it's a pretty obvious difference, and it's not a bad thing to point that out, you know. So why are some of the people, or I guess it could be some journalists, could be fans, why are they so pro-woman wrestling, but they're not putting it to the same standard? You know what I mean? Like, why are they so pushing for women's wrestling? Yeah, it really does tie in, like I mentioned, to the culture and, and their personal and political beliefs. That's what they want regardless, or at least they want to tell you that's what they want on social media. But does that really mean anything? How does that quantify, right? You, you know, you can talk a good game on Twitter, but what is the follow-up? What are you really doing to support women's wrestling or anything like that? Um, you know, so these people are just hypocrites, and that's why you can't take them seriously. Just going back to the Attitude Era, because I always find it funny. Steve Austin, obviously, was the number one draw for the WWE. But the number two draw for a while, and if you look at every quarter-hour rating and break it down, Sable, she wasn't really wrestling much. I mean, she did some wrestling matches. I know she beat Mark Merrow, and that was very controversial. And, and that was that really drummed up a lot of interest. It maybe hurt Mark, but, I mean, it really helped Sable. What do you kind yeah. of attribute that to? I mean, because that kind of goes against the grain as well. It's like, wow, she wasn't really wrestling, but she was a draw. Right. Yeah, that's what history tells us about pro wrestling. Funny thing, huh? It's not the five-star matches that that draws the most. I, I mean, there's such a history of that. It should be an obvious thing for everybody, but, you know, there's just a contingent that try to push otherwise. Um, but, yeah. Is it because of the culture you're saying, like, they won't go back to the Sable types, and do they want them to be more wrestlers? Because if, if the ratings forever told you hey you know like if the woman is beautiful doesn't necessarily have to be a wrestler to draw i mean is that kind of going against i guess maybe what WWE wants to do because in the past they were all for that well whenever it's convenient you know <laughs> um during the attitude era it aligned with society with culture um so so that was okay that was good for business uh and, and just as now they believe working and aligning with these sort of SJW causes is best for their business. Um, so that's what they're doing now as well. And I think that's what it amounts to, but Sable was fantastic. And it, there's nothing wrong with a female wrestler like Sable. It doesn't matter that she can't do a 450 splash. Sable was a character. She was a hot chick. She had charisma and presence. And it, you didn't need to be focused on her five-star in-ring work rate. None of that mattered. If she had exciting moments in matches, she was perfectly passable. Who cares? But I think it's a great example, John, because it's it's just another example of how you know wrestling today is not doing what has historically been successful for them. And I get it. WWE right now, from a business standpoint, is making a lot of money. There's no question. Uh, but just talking about, you know, the TV portions and things like that. Yeah. 
there's there's just no denying the difference in, in what's been successful from a viewership and product interest standpoint and what hasn't. I think Eva Marie could be the sable of today, maybe? Yes. Eva Marie is great. And a lot of people get, you know, upset when I say something like that. She's a hot chick. Okay. So that matters because it's a cosmetic business. It's a TV show. Forget wrestling. Look at any other TV show and they have presentable people. They wear makeup. They're supposed to look good on camera. So there's a cosmetic portion and, and she's hot. So she's got one thing that almost nobody in wrestling has today, which is huge. She's got heat. People do not like her. And I think that's one of the reasons I like her is uh, she just plays a perfect heel. It's totally natural. The hardcore fans hate her. There's so much they could do there. So, yeah, I think Eva Marie, and have always thought this actually, uh, they could do so much with her. I think she's money for sure. And the fact that she has heat in a you know wrestling world where it's hard to get heat for a heel, uh, she definitely has that edge. And if you just saw Carmella kind of just came out and said the same thing, because she's hot, everyone kind of downgrades her, which in the past would never be the case. But for right. you know this day and age, she basically came out and said that a lot of the fans and stuff have turned against her because she's so good looking. Partially, she's playing into her character a little bit, but I know where she's coming from because she's partially shooting yeah absolutely uh, eva marie gets it that's the reality and, and you know the hardcore fan base like when they're you know when they're worked and i i say right now they can be worked easier than any time in wrestling history but you know they they get really triggered about her and you know it's just it's there's so much they can do there for sure i think just my opinion um that she w- should have won money in the bank that would have been such a great addition to her uh, character, but here we are. Yes, yeah, she could have used it, then use Dewdrop in certain situations, and you know, basically keep her heat where she could still, oh, I can cash in, I can cash in, and the crowd will go crazy trying to make sure that she doesn't cash in. Yep. With current WB and where they're going, I know you do have some sources. You were saying. Oh, certain directions that they were headed in. This is months ago, certain um, mm-hmm. directions they were headed in. Is everything going according to plan as far as WB right now? Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Uh, they're heavily relying on Cena right now. They've really promoted him. And, you know, they're really relying on him for these live events to to boost attendance. And, yeah, they're on all systems go now. Is he the biggest enigma ever in wrestling? To me, to me he's got to be because I would have thought because he's John Cena, everyone's saying he's the mm-hmm. GOAT, this and that. Ratings didn't really rise <laughs> the way I thought they would, and then they went back down. He is, to me, and I know people think of great he's not as popular as you think, but then he is popular in certain aspects. It, he is pro- possibly the weirdest like guy to figure out ever in the history of the business because every metric mm-hmm. – Fan-wise, would say he's not popular at all. This, this guy, he's not great. But then merchandise sales, he sells great. Uh, ratings, eh, not really ratings getter. But it's like, is he a pay-per-view guy? When they had pay-per-views, eh, it wasn't really a pay-per-view guy. So he's, I don't know. He's hard to figure out. I guess maybe live event sale guy? Ticket seller? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's got longevity. I think that's the thing with Cena. There's more of a respect thing now. Yeah, I don't think he's just going to be some tremendous long-term draw or anything um, unless the entire product is better. But yeah, Cena's got longevity. Um, 
So I, I, I don't know. I mean, he's a very unique person, like you said. With him and SummerSlam, is everything going according to plan as far as is Reign Cena was locked and loaded months ago, right? That, that was going to be the main event of SummerSlam? Yeah. Yep, that is apparently uh, the main event that's locked in. Um, and they've got actually Roman and the USOs working um, with Dominic, Ray, and Cena on a lot of the house shows, or I'm sorry, live events uh, leading up to SummerSlam. It's interesting that um, he's on so many shows. Was he always scheduled, or was this kind of a they need to start drumming up some ticket sales because they see AEW's being the hottest ticket sale on the market possibly right now? It's been scheduled for kind of a while. Yeah, it's not something that was last minute. It feels like they've added some shows to that, that summer of Cena, like even into September, it seems mm-hmm. like. Yeah, they're going to milk it for all that they can. It's one of those things where it's like you knew he was coming, but you, I didn't think he'd be wrestling as many shows as they've put him on. I feel like they're really leaning heavy on him right now. Yeah, he actually volunteered to do it. He wanted to work all of the, essentially all of the live events, maybe minus a couple, um, leading up to SummerSlam. That was his decision. And what about, isn't he filming a movie or about to film a movie? Is that going to come into play at all? He is about to, um, which, you know, potentially could uh, come into play post-SummerSlam. He's, he's, you know, seen as a movie guy now, so now he's got to juggle different things at once if he's going to do wrestling. Still there. Sorry about that. Still there? Yeah. Oh, I was. Yeah, I can hear you now. Is that going to come into play at all as far as Cena's movie? Yeah, it will be very interesting, especially post SummerSlam. Uh, You know, he's going to have to do the movie guy now thing. I mean, it's like, you know, just like The Rock, you're going to have to be able to juggle both. You know, if you want to come back and and wrestle, you're going to have to make it work. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do post SummerSlam. So as far as just getting into you a little bit here, how'd you get into the wrestling business? Were you always a big fan and, and kind of transferred into being like an editor and publisher and things like that? How'd you get into the business? Yeah, geez. So I, I remember being a fan as early as seven years old. Yes, I'm 42, so 35 years as a fan. Wow. So I grew up watching WWF um, and also some NWA and WCW, you know, Jim Crockett promotions, the golden era of professional wrestling, which was just so wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. So where did you grow up? I've lived all over. So I was actually born in the South, raised in New England, um, and, and then moved back to the South. So I've been all up and down the East Coast. Because usually if, if a fan is, is in one specific area, they'll be like, oh, I've been a WWF fan, you know, forever if they're from the Northeast. Yeah. Or, you know, hey, you know, I started getting TBS and TNT or TBS, really, and I started becoming a WWNWA fan. So it that's kind of sometimes how I judge uh, where, where fans are coming from. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, I had a lot of family that uh, lived in the South. So when we would visit, I could watch, you know, NWA, um, you know, so it was different ways to get wrestling back then. It was a little, obviously territory, right? A lot different. Um, so I primarily was a WWF guy just because of, you know, when I moved uh, to, to new England, you know, that was the dominating promotion, obviously. So yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of what I was a, a Hogan WWF guy. 
what kind of got you into like covering the business? Like as obviously you got to be some sort of fan, you're, you're into it. Then all of a sudden you kind of break the mold and you start covering it. Who do you start working with first and how do you kind of break into that part of the business? Yeah. So a lot of people may not realize this, but I actually started freelance writing in the political space. That's where I started. Um, and then I transitioned into sports, you know, so covering basketball and hockey and football and you name it. Um, and, and then transitioning and focusing more on wrestling from there. I was at one point the managing editor for bodyslam.net. Um, and I, I, you know, I've had a lot of different offers amongst the wrestling dirt sheets. I'm not, I'm not really interested in that. That's why I have my own uh, website, you know, my airportappeal.substack.com so that I can do my own thing. You know, I, I'm not censored. I can say what I want. And, and that is what's satisfying for me. So how did you get into that though? Did they seek you out to become when, when you were the head, edit, the managing editor, or did you kind of seek that out? Yeah. At the time, I think I was actually just, you know, posting a lot of scoops, a lot of exclusive WWE stories. You know, I had broken the XFL story, uh, which became its, you know, own deal overnight a few years ago. Um, so I started developing attention that way in the wrestling community. And then in particular with, you know, the people who worked for the wrestling news sites. Um, and so, yeah, they would reach out to me. Not who do you get the scoops from, but how do you get scoops and how do you get stories? Are these just leaks from inside? Is this somebody giving information? Like, how does that occur? How does that happen? When you're talking about working with the source, I mean, it really is about relationship management and building trust. You know, there's a lot of different ways you can meet sources, obviously, um, you know, through social media, through live events or different friend of a friend connections. But ultimately you're trying to build that trust with someone and you're verifying, obviously they are who they are, which, you know, some people are sources and some people are friends who are sources. So you never know, but WWE, they're not a big fan of it. I could, <laughs> I can tell you that right now. Uh, but it, it's just about, you know, I think in particular of my sources, it's about building trust um, you know, so that they can trust what you're um, going to report. It's not going to come back to them because, again, I mean, it's game over. They're fired if that happens. So you're just building that sort of trust with them. Um, and, and so I think that's what I've been able to do, even if it means swallowing my own pride and making it look like I'm wrong or I'm a fool. I'm perfectly willing to do that. And in a lot of cases, uh, there may be information that, is a little too in depth that I can't report without it being traced back to a particular group. So I just use discretion and leave a part out. So maybe perhaps I know more than I'm saying even in that kind of an example, but a lot of it is just about, yeah, managing that relationship. And that's is not exciting. Some, yeah. Is it something you're seeking out from them or they're looking to open up and give information? Cause it can work in various different ways. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I think with my sources, I just have an open communication. You know, it's it's not, you have to make things personable to a degree, right? So it's just an open conversation. Um, so I, I think that's what kind of works best for me rather than, oh, let me hit you up every time I need something, you know. With 
you did you always kind of want to get scoops like did you always kind of want to be in that environment with wrestling when you started covering it not at all yeah i mean i had no expectations i didn't know i would even get into anything wrestling related uh so no not at all how do you feel with with getting scoops and kind of being the one to break stories and then have some people say oh that's not true or somebody else say oh I'm the one that it's breaking the story. Like, how do you feel when, when something like that happens? Um, I don't really care. <laughs> I do occasionally like to have fun with them, but no, I, I mean, I've built a, a tough skin, you know, I mean, it's just my personality in part anyway. Uh, but you know, once you have any sort of public platform, you're open to criticism, right? And some of it is valuable criticism and, some of it is just, uh, I don't know what I'm allowed to say on here. Anything. Some of it is, you know, just uh, stupid shit. It just seems like to me that there's so many different people that have sources now. Like it used to be basically Meltzer and Keller. Basically, it was just those two guys for years. And now it's like Zaharian's got stuff. Billy Body's got stuff. You've got stuff. Mm-hmm. Sean Ross Sapp. Uh, Cassidy Haynes just broke some uh, Daniel Bryan news, we think. So, I mean, it feels like there's so many different people that have sources now. It's getting pretty crazy. Well, that's a sign of the times in the business. You know, Um, certainly I'm thankful for the relationships I have and the news that I report just because I enjoy it. Right? don't have to do it, but yeah, Um, it's just a sign of the times because the wrestlers today are more like, you know, the fans of yesteryear that we're watching. Um, yeah. So it's kind of like the marks of the ring criticism that that uh, you know Vince Russo has, which I agree with. Uh, so I think it's just really a reflection of that. You know, they're they're kind of marks for themselves, and so they want to be put over on these you know wrestling news sites. To me, it, it does seem like there's so many different guys that are you know trying to break scoops or, or trying to break stories. Do you think that also like? It's almost like I forget who said it, but it was like they want to be more of, of a Dave Melter than they want to be of a Hulk Hogan, like more of that kind of thing. Uh, no, I hadn't heard that. Uh, I, I don't have a high opinion of uh, Dave Meltzer at all. Hmm. Well, I mean, like they say, like the fans of nowadays rather be a reporter on wrestling than be in the ring. So like yeah. they like me, you huge Hogan fan, like, oh, I'd want to be Hogan. Oh, my God, I love this guy. But now they're saying a lot of the guys that are coming up and a lot of the, the guys that are start covering, they didn't want to be wrestlers. They wanted to be reporters or they wanted to be something not rest- in wrestling, but not actually in the ring. Yeah, not a day fan, but I completely agree. That is the modern fan, right? That's not me. Um, but that sort of modern Internet fan. Yeah, they, you know, they love Dave and that's what they want to be. They idolize him and. I really do compare it to a cult. I mean, I'm, I'm completely serious when I say that. Um, they're, they're, you're right, though. And that's a problem. Again, it's a sign of a problem in the business. Could you imagine people even caring about Dave Meltzer when Hulk Hogan was body slamming Andre or when Stone Cold was stunning Vince McMahon? I mean, nobody cared. I mean, it's just the business is so uninteresting today in so many ways that people are more focused on the backstage aspect than ever. And nobody yeah. cared when Hogan was on his, you know, five year plus, you know, championship run about what was going on backstage. They had stars and they had moments and 
it was exciting and it had great stories and characters. And so you weren't as focused on the other stuff that wasn't as relevant to the business as a viewer. Hey, you want to know who Hogan was wrestling next? You know, Slaughter, Savage, mm-hmm. Warrior. You want to see who who he's wrestling next uh, for sure. Now you said cult. Well, what do you mean by that? Like as far as maybe Meltzer and his fans cult? What do you, what do you mean by that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, his fan base is a cult. It's a cult of personality, um, which is irony based on his political attacks of Donald Trump and his fan base, uh, because you could very easily make the argument about uh, Dave and his fan base, which I do. I mean, they believe anything he says. They don't question anything. They pay this guy more money than it costs to watch the WWE Network every month. This guy has been called out by numerous people for posting fake stories, Um unvetted stories, stories he found on Reddit. You know, Dave just has a tendency to be completely biased, but under the guise of not being biased, but also just having a real honesty problem with his news. So I'm guessing you're not a Dave Meltzer fan at all. Not a Dave Meltzer fan at all. He used to steal my stories for his little Observer newsletter. He apologized for it once in a DM to me. This was a few years ago. Uh, but then he just started taking my stories, you know, that I would tweet out. And I didn't want to charge fans for this. It's not about that. I don't do that today. It's not about charging people money. I'm I'm offering that news for free as if, you know, as just someone who likes wrestling. That's all. I don't have any obligation to do this. Um, you know, no paywalls. What stories did he take? Oh, geez, this was different locations. I mean, you're talking years ago, um, but it was a lot of stuff related to WrestleMania uh, locations, you know, and different different little creative stories here and there. You know, they don't mean anything. It's not the end of the world. But, you know, when people tell me Dave Meltzer is some great journalist or the standard in wrestling journalism, that's that's a pretty troubling statement because Dave is actually an awful journalist. Uh, he writes like a middle school child. Uh, so, so you've got that. Um, it, it is just, it's not, it's not important stuff. He covers and focuses on the wrong thing. Yeah. It's, it's great that, you know, Nakasiki had a five-star match in Japan, but what about uh, wrestlers not having health insurance when AEW said they were going to do that? Why is that uh, not a higher priority story over Nakasaki having a five-star match? So he, he comes from a Mark standpoint when he covers the industry. What about his historian aspect? Though? You don't even respect that aspect of it? Because if, if you look, he's kind of one of the only guys that actually like keeps records of all this stuff. And I know nowadays all the people have copied it, but going back, if you look at like research and stuff, you don't even care for his historian stuff, his, his background on, on shows and, and the wrestling events and things like that? Well, I do love the history of the business. It, it's fascinating for me. But yeah, sure, there are things that Dave knows that's really fascinating. But I'm always questioning because I know Dave has just reported some completely wrong things before. Um, so intentional or not, yeah, it was history as he saw it. But was it really history that was presented that way? Yeah. So it kind of makes me question his credibility on you know, some of those historical items. I think also too, sometimes he 
believes his sources too much and sometimes they're working mm -hmm. like i was just talking to kevin sullivan about bash the beach 96 and going over a couple of the rumors of, of the guys that were said and he said like laughing like he goes okay that was fed to him by somebody it's probably mm -hmm. like terry taylor somebody messing with him yep. so he said too that he, he he doesn't think you know melzer's lying or something but he thinks that he's believing mm -hmm. when somebody's telling him a story because he trusts the person or whatever, but he was saying like Mabel was definitely fed to him by somebody, not him, not Kevin, but somebody there is like a joke. Oh, for sure. I mean, that happens a lot. You know, that's why, frankly, the least reliable sources are often sometimes the pro wrestlers themselves. Right. It's just a dirty little secret because they are so agenda driven. Um, and, and you're right. Even the companies will put out fake stories uh, because they want them put out there, you know, um, like the entire carrying cross and uh, Adam Cole deal, you know, the whole thing was like scripted. It's not like they were shooting on each other, but they, there were some stories I saw that came out, you know, that there was heat over this and it was, you know, <laughs> they were, you know, just some big ordeal when it wasn't. So, you know, they definitely have a tendency to do that. Why is Cross losing to Jeff Hardy then supposedly going to lose to him again? Thank God Hardy got COVID because he didn't get to the chance to beat him again. But do you have any insight into what the hell's going on? Why are they burying Cross? It's a test. I mean, you know, Vince has this thing when, you know, especially if Triple H really likes someone and wants to put them over, Vince wants to test them to see, you know, can they really cut it in the big leagues? Ron SmackDown is what he considers the big leagues, right? That's where he wants to see if they can cut it. Um, he just, you know, doesn't really observe NXT as important at all. So he wants to test them. And, and it's like this, I don't know, it's a sick rivalry or whatever it is. Um, but that's what he wants to do. He wants to test them. And so that's what he, now, is it the best way to get someone over? Oh, of course not. Not when, you know, you're WWE programming and you have the guy undefeated, even if it is your developmental, um, you know, and yes, they did convoluted things to try and protect it. Like, you know, uh, Jeff Hardy cheated, even though he's the baby face. It, like, it made no sense at all. But yeah, I would not have done that at all. But their idea is like, you know, um, you know he's he's going to continually be built and he'll eventually get, you know, like everything back. Um, but it's they're just going to test him right now. Uh, to see uh, what can he do without all the bells and whistles. With that, it's interesting, like, because they need stars, like, desperately. So a guy that's 6'4", probably 265, is undefeated, is the champion, looks like a million bucks, then he loses. It's like, wow, like, does Vince not want stars? Like, it, it's a weird thing with him. I, I think you're bringing up a great point, John, because really that seems to be a formula. Uh, they don't want folks to get too over. I mean, I mean we know they're not going to uh, plan to have another John Cena again. They they want the draw, the marquee to be WWE, not individuals, which I think is so counterproductive from the history of the business. And when it really rides those highs, it's based on stars. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's, I, you know, I don't get it, but it's interesting. Imagine the uh, golden era without Hogan <laughs> or the <laughs> attitude era without Austin. It's like, come on, like. Those guys are the driving force. I mean, they're the draws. You go to those shows, and I've been to both when Hogan was on top and Austin's on top, and the pops are unreal, and everyone is mm -hmm. there. You know, they got the Hogan shirt, they got the Austin shirt. It's a dumb, dumb thing that they're doing. Oh, a hundred percent. And I remember going to Hogan shows as a kid. That guy was treated like a rock star. 
I mean, I don't think people today fully understand. Uh, I remember going to my first WWF show uh, as a child and Hogan was of course the main event on the house show. And when he came out and real American played uh, the building shook, I like yep. just imagine that, you know, I was at uh, even way later than that. I mean, I've seen him as a kid, but in, I believe it was 05 when he made his return to MSG. Remember with uh, Hassan and Davari and he mm-hmm. helped Shawn Michaels when he made that surprise appearance, the roof literally came off. Like I thought it was going deaf. I mean, he, it, yeah. the pop was nuts even then for Hogan, but just shows you like that's star power. That's people going, going crazy. And that's what you need. And they don't care, I guess, for whatever, because they're making a billion dollars selling a, a peacock in Saudi Arabia. Yeah, and eventually that could catch up with them, right? Uh, they're a TV company now. They're very dependent upon those TV deals. Uh, so if you don't have the stars and you eventually aren't getting the $1 billion TV deals, then you have to you know, change your strategy. So yeah, stars is what the industry needs to really shine. Right now they're on autopilot. You know, they're, they're doing things that are very simple, very easy to do. They're not taking any risks at all. Um, and they're just, you know, drawing off of this, these TV deals, you know, to, to keep the company doing really well. So it, it's like, you know, it's just a very interesting time because their bottom line, you know, profit and whatnot as a company is really good. But you see a lot of those troubling business signs with the interest in the product and the viewership and those sort of things. So you just, you know, if they don't address it, it can catch up with them in the long term. Going back to Triple H and Vince for a second, Triple H right now, you would think he would be in line for maybe taking over. But right now, Vince has fired all his guys. Just fired Canyon Seaman, who's his guy. Mark Carano was his boy. I mean, he's getting rid of all Triple H's guys. Is there anything else to it? Is there some sort of Vince Triple H heat that nobody knows about? Uh, so it's Khan who's doing a lot of the, um, he's a lot of the driving force behind a lot of this stuff. Uh, he just has tremendous power. He's someone to watch going forward. Like this is a definite story to continue to watch. Um, you know, Vince loves the competition with triple H and testing his guys, but no Khan made the decision, uh, is my understanding. And, you know, they, they fired Canyon Seaman, but also his direct reports too. I put that up on my uh, Twitter. Um, so they just, you know, they're, they're making some changes. With Nick Khan, he obviously he's a part of the board of directors. He's, he's with the uh, triple H and Khan. Is there a feud? No, not that I'm aware of. No. It's, it's weird. It just seems like, wow, Khan is just, I know he's strategically getting rid of a lot of people, but a lot of them happen to be like, quote unquote triple h guys it just seems like uh, on the surface it's a very very interesting element because uh you know khan is is much more suited to take over a wwe post vince than a, a paul levesque or stephanie yep that's he, just he, the reality real businessman he's a guy who knows business who's been successful and it, it, i don't know if you've ever seen triple h as the corporate executive guy you know, it, it's, you know, I've worked forever in the corporate business world. No, it, it's just, it's just not a thing. Uh, he's not that guy. Uh, and Stephanie's not either. So I, I, th- I think that's a really interesting situation, um, especially with, uh, you know, him just continuing to get more and more power in the company. 
Triple H is a great wrestling guy behind the scenes. I don't know about him in the boardroom, you know, like where Nick Khan yeah. slices and dices and gets billion dollar deals for companies that aren't worth the, the price. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? He's master negotiator, he, like Vince, master negotiator, master businessman. They always would say, mm-hmm. like, when somebody goes into a meeting with Vince, I'm doing this, I'm getting this. And all of a sudden, like, oh, what happened? Whatever Vince wanted, uh, we're, we're doing that. Like, you know what I mean? Like that master negotiator kind of businessman. Yeah, no, he can definitely do that better than Paul. There's no question. You know, uh, the feedback I always got about Paul as an executive was that they always, you know, felt like he was a wrestling first mind, not a business first mind. Um, you know, and there's roles where that's completely fine, but you know, the CEO of the company is not one of them. What does NXT make or not make a year? Like, let's say since Triple H has been running it. Profitable, not profitable, what's NXT worth? It's a great question. I'm not exactly sure what they're worth. I mean, obviously financial reports come out, but you know, I'm not aware of at any point NXT being profitable. You know, the last time I reported on that, they were not profitable. Um, you know, so the NXT thing is a dilemma because you know, Vince clearly views it as developmental. Uh, Triple H viewed it as a third brand. So it's been inconsistent because there was, you know, that Survivor Series where NXT was involved and they won and they put them over so strong and they're in the Rumble and did well in the Rumble. And but it was all for nothing. There was no follow up because at the end of the day, NXT is viewed as a developmental brand by Vince. Um, So it's just a a very weird dynamic anyway. Um, I've always just viewed NXT as developmental, you know, and, and nothing more. And they had Adam Cole be Daniel Bryan on SmackDown that one time. And I was like, where did that come from? Because you know that Adam Cole is not a Vince type guy at all. Like, there's no way that guy's getting called up. But just to me, anytime soon, he seems like NXT for life. He should be. (laughs) I don't want to see Adam Cole on Raw or SmackDown. In fact, let's fire everybody under 5'9". I'm just so tired of these sort of, NXT factory guys that are just really these little indie guys doing flips, you know, and, and doing that sort of five-star Meltzer match. I, I'm just, I'm so over it. Um, and that doesn't make him good. And, and you get a guy like Adam Cole and you just, you can't convince me his matches against what I would consider the main roster, Raw or SmackDown, are going to be believable. I'm sorry. Put Adam Cole in front of Sheamus and tell me I'm supposed to believe for any length of time that Adam Cole could in an actual fight defeat Sheamus. No, it would be a very quick fight. So there's just the believability factor for me. That's never going to be there ever. He's 170 pounds. He is a small guy. He's got no muscle mass either, which is kind of, kind of strange considering you're a WWE guy. You would think that they would kind of force you to be hitting the gym. You know what I mean? You have access to some facilities. I, I think rumor has it he's doesn't have far to go to, to get to that performance center and work out and hit some weights and yeah. and build some mass. But um, no, there's just, you know, it's odd because they have more access than ever to look good. But yet you have all these people like Kevin Owens who just have made no effort over their entire career to get into shape. I don't understand that Vince likes the guy and gives him title matches and puts him on TV. He just doesn't seem like if, and I can't believe he was former universal champion. It's just shocked to me, not an Owens guy at all, but just judging by Vince, you would think Vince would hate his look 
he you think he would hate like you know like just not being kept being out of shape uh being kind of really pale you know what i mean he just doesn't seem like a vince mm-hmm. type of guy yeah i think that's a great point uh you know i know he was a triple h guy but yeah. I don't get it at all. I'm not a Kevin Owens fan. I, I think he's someone who looks like he belongs in the stands. And I know that sounds harsh, but the guy has made no effort to look like a wrestler to get into shape at all. Okay, yes, you're 5'9", you're 5'10". I know you're not the tallest guy, but that doesn't mean you can't look good, right? And still look believable. I mean, he just he's a slob and he wears a t-shirt and gym shorts to the ring. Uh, and it's just like, you know... I. I would never push a guy like that. Hell, he would not even be mid card on my roster. You know, he'd be doing jobs every week. But I again, I think that. that's you know, it's the sign of the times, man. And I can't believe like when he was with Jericho and stuff, just the visual guy had cut off sleeves with like jeans on or whatever he was wearing. He's holding the title. He looks pale as hell. Jericho looks like you know uh, David Lee Roth over here. He looks like the star of the show. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just like weird kind of dynamic. I don't know what they were going for or what they're thinking about. Just, I've never been an Owens guy. I just I I just don't see it. I know he can have good matches with some certain guys and stuff like that, but just don't see him as like a WWE star. Just not believing it at all. Uh, no, I I don't either. Um, I yeah, there's no explanation from for me at all, other than you know maybe they're just playing to the hardcore fans, right? They do that sometimes. Uh, I think too much sometimes. Um, but I th- I, that's the only thing I can think of. So they were trying to do something, you know, that they thought the hardcore fans would mark out for. Um, and and that voice on Twitter, you know, uh, different platforms is not in reality as loud as they want you to believe it is. Um, so you shouldn't necessarily just you know, because a few fans get angry and tweet, change something. <laughs> yeah, Nick Khan, basically, if you heard that interview with Colin Cowherd, basically goes, Twitter is 15% of our audience or something, or like a very low percentage. Yeah. He's like, we, we, we don't need to listen to them. Like kind of basically saying like, eh, the internet may be a little you know, overrated in, in the sense of maybe who we should be paying more attention to. And I like that kind of attitude from him because it makes sense. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's a lot of differences, I think, just between, you know, maybe someone's following even on Twitter versus on other platforms or, you know, t- Twitter's not everything. It's not the end of the world. It is an echo chamber with a small group of people uh, posting similar opinions in a lot of cases. Uh, and so, again, I I do think sometimes they take these, you know, tweets from, you know, people who have John Cena as their profile photo. Like, really? That's that's. <laughs> Um, but they do, they do sometimes give them a Kevin Owens, uh, and, and then you end up seeing, well, of course they didn't draw, you know, I mean, what did you expect? Right. Just, uh, crazy with you and, and some of the stuff you cover, there is some controversial stuff out there. You got in a little bit of trouble for, for whatever reason, maybe we can get into this. Why the reason, but the top beauty babes, I think it was like stuff like that. Do you do stuff like that? <laughs> Are you trolling a little bit? Are you serious? Like what's and, and why is it so controversial to so many people? Well, wrestling has a different standard than, you know, perhaps any other form of entertainment, right? If you say something that is, uh, I, I think, racially offensive, for example, maybe not you know, the N-word, but something that could be considered a little controversial from mainstream opinion, you know, then um, that's all it takes. You say that and uh, and you're going to get canceled. So. You know, it's just uh, 
a lot of people can't handle those those sort of dissenting opinions. So when you put up the beauty babes, are you trolling a little bit, or are you are you dead serious? Like uh, these girls are beautiful. I'm going to put them up. <sighs> no, I'm not. It's it's not a serious article. You know what I'm trying to do with uh, Airport Appeal and just you know how I cover wrestling. It's different than every, literally everyone else that's covering wrestling. Um, so I try to cover things that are serious or hold journalists accountable. You know, I'll, I'll I try to find things that are interesting and relevant in business stories versus some of the you know a hundred other dirt sheets are going to cover. You know, so and so said this backstage. So and so wants a push like. Who cares? Um, so I try to be different. I try to do something different. That's what I wanted to do uh, with my top five uh, best women's butts in WWE list. Um, so I wanted to do something different, do something not serious. But also there is this sort of element to it where it's like, you know, I, I'm praising someone who is working really hard in their physical appearance. I'm complimenting them. Yeah, I'm recognizing what these women achieve. That's hard work. And that's what I'm recognizing. So it's it's not in any sort of pervert sort of way. Again, it's a totally not serious thing. It's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be different. And yes, it is supposed to push boundaries. Are the fans that are against it trying to say you're objectifying the women? Is that what they're kind of getting to? Sure, absolutely they are. Um, and you know, and they're pretending that they don't like women's butts. That's what it amounts to. You know, they're going to go on Twitter and pretend they're someone they're not, uh, you know, for woke points. But in reality, uh, they're a man who likes women and they actually like that. Now, a lot of people don't recall, but I did a men's list too, you know, based on some LGBTQ people and women input and whatever. So I came up with a list for men. Nobody cared about that. Everybody forgets about that. Because all of the attention and all of the views were on my women's article. Because that's what they really liked. But they're not going to tweet that. They're going to be the white knight that pretends it's this awful thing to say in this cosmetic business. These women who are trying to look good, we can't actually say that. It, it defies human instinct. And it's a double standard. Why can't we say that anymore? I mean, it used to be kind of like, hey, Sonny, you're the most downloaded because you're the most beautiful and you're posting bikini pics. Like, why all of a sudden the change when it's still very complimentary towards Sonny, obviously, back in the day, and Cindy Margolis and whoever else she was in competition with? Yeah, it's all cultural. You know, it is that Marxist SJW culture. Um, you know, you have to have to fall in line. Um, you have to put over women, you have to put over minority groups, you know, those are the marching orders. And so that's what it comes down to. Call me crazy though. If I'm just an, a casual fan and I'm flicking through the channel, like, okay. And I, and I'm a wrestling fan. If I see Roman Reigns, I'm like, who the, f this guy is a friggin' star. I want to learn yeah. more about this guy. Okay. If I see Kevin yeah. Owens, no offense to Owens, I'm, I'm not flicking the channel back. I'm like, who the hell's that pale, you know, fat, fat guy, whatever, like that out of shape guy yeah. who's a little pale and whatever, eh, maybe change it. You see Liv Morgan and Carmella having a match. You're like, wow, who's that beautiful blonde? Who's the mm -hmm. beautiful brunette? It's weird that they can, you know, as a fan, you can't just admit or, or even just a, a, a casual, like, okay, I'm going to flick it back. Like Penelope Ford is on mm -hmm. AEW. Like, 
whoa, it, you're yeah. not really, you know, it's not like you care about Yuki Sakazawa as much. You're like, whoa, who was that blonde? Kind of looks like Pamela Anderson. Who was that? You know what I mean? You flick back. Yeah. I don't get why that's such a bad thing or why that why it's deemed to be bad. Well, it's not, but we have to pretend that women can't be uh, sex objects or that we can't look at them in a way that admires their physique. Uh, because women have to be seen as serious equals to men who aren't sexual at all. I mean, that's that's the stupid culture we're in. But it kind of goes against uh, human nature a little bit here. I mean, you see a woman, say you're single, she's single, you're like, oh, he's, he's handsome, oh, she's beautiful. It's kind of like a little human connection, human nature going on. Yeah, the entire thing is phony and hypocritical, so you just can't take it seriously. Yeah, sometimes on there I'm very curious of like why they won't just say Liv Morgan is beautiful or, or wow, right. Carmela, Carmela may be the, you know, the sexiest woman in WB or whatever the gimmick is. Mm-hmm. Like she really is and stuff like that. And you know what I mean? And people were going crazy. She had a, a wardrobe malfunction. And so somebody arguing with somebody because um, they put a funny thing and said, that was the best three minutes I've seen in WB in a long time. <laughs> Basically her holding, holding herself together. And somebody's going, yeah. Oh, how could you say that? Blah, blah, blah. Sexist or whatever. He, you know, I was like, actually it was kind of funny that he said it. Cause it's true. People I'm guaranteeing they were mm-hmm. watching all the way through until she got pinned. Oh, absolutely. You know, they won't admit it on Twitter, but you know, you get these storylines, you know, these love interest storylines with women too, instead of there's focusing on these five-star, you know, women's matches, which nobody cares about. But when you look at the ratings of, you know, these segments with these love interest stories and different things with women, it does really, really well. It's that soap opera element. Um, So there's more than one way to book them and present them as well. They don't always have to be a serious five-star wrestler. There can be, you know, just, I think, places you can branch out. You know, you don't all have to be the same thing. Yeah, and even Britt Baker on AEW, it wasn't really her wrestling that was getting the ratings. It was kind of her character and her being basically like a jokey heel. Now I guess she's kind of going more towards babies, but she's basically being a jokey heel and Mm -hmm. doing stuff that's more character-based. And that's how she was getting over. But they still want to say she's a great wrestler. But I think it was more her character that was getting over. Yeah. I mean, it's a proven deal. Characters get over in wrestling. I mean, it's that's the bottom line. Uh, and, and when you forget about that and you focus on things like five-star matches that aren't selling tickets, um, you know, you're already in the building at that point. So, you know, it's it just it defies everything that I know about wrestling. It's a really puzzling thing uh, because, you know, and I blame Dave Meltzer for a lot of this. He has uh, propagated this culture um, that has led to this type of wrestling today. He's promoted that for a long time, and it's been a bad thing for the wrestling business. And, you know, again, business bottom line aside, just looking at, you know, the wrestling itself, um, the TV shows itself. It's not like we're in a better time because we're working five-star matches and nobody has a character. It's that's that's why the viewership is going down. Gotta have those personal issues, the characters, mm-hmm. somebody being larger than life, interest, intrigue, gotta have all that stuff. Maybe some surprise elements, gotta have that stuff. Look, it's just two men play fighting if you don't have characters and stories. It's kind of silly. Um so that, that stuff is important. Right. How would you describe yourself, though, as far as like as like covering wrestling? Would you say you're a journalist at all or or you stay away from that? 
You know, I'm more of an opinion guy. It's a mix, right? Because I do present exclusive, um, you know, insider information, for example, in WWE. So I do report information and it's not a big deal to me. You typically see it in a tweet, right? And that's it. It's not anything I'm writing up as an article. Um, so there's that element of it too, but I really am an opinion guy. So I don't, yeah, I'm probably more of an opinion journalist than anything. Um, I, I still am in political journalism today. So I am a journalist for a political website. So I guess in that sense, yes, but you know, I, I don't take myself too seriously in wrestling. What's wrestling journalism these days? You know, it's just fans with WordPress access that want to be in the business. That's what it is. Um, I don't want to be in the business. Um, I want to do my own different thing, but that's, um, that's just the way it is. And you're getting some heat with your political stuff too, right? Uncover DC. You get some heat <laughs> over there as well. Yeah, for sure. Uh, absolutely. Um, I'm a heat magnet. So did you design yourself? Is that the way you want it to be? Or is that just the way it happened because of, you know, t- culture of today? A little bit of both. You know, a lot of it is just testing the boundaries of the culture today for me. Um, so there's that element of it. And some of it is just the culture today, naturally itself, you know, going against that mainstream group think opinion about wrestling. You know, the indie stuff is great. Um, the New Japan Strong Style is the best thing ever. Everyone wants to see seven-star matches. Nobody cares about characters and stories. It's the greatest time ever to be a wrestling fan. Blah, blah, blah. Yes. <laughs> no. It is, isn't it? That's what they say, anyway. That's what they time. say. No, it, it's definitely not. Um, for me, the Golden Era and the Attitude Era are the two best times in wrestling. Um. No, it is not. You know, if you're a hardcore fan who loves the indie style, then it's really good for you right now because there are a lot of those specific options. But when you get out of that bubble, the best time to be a wrestling fan? Yeah, not even close. I was talking to a current wrestler off air, though. He he didn't want me to specify anything like on air, but he was saying that today's wrestling he thinks maybe better than ever. He loves wrestling, which is fine because he's a current wrestler and I could see him believe that. But he said today's fans are the worst ever. And that that's why you didn't want me to put it out there. But I, I you know, you got to almost agree a little bit because they're kind of, I don't know. They, they turn something into something. It's not constantly, but do you, would you think that, I mean, one aspect that you have be good in the ring, but another aspect, maybe the fans are turning it into something that it's not. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. I, I think it is. It is definitely the worst audience ever. I, I do genuinely believe that. It's this really smarky, you know, needy, whiny, complaining, hardcore niche fan base. And they are awful. I mean, it, you look at GCW and they're throwing pizza cutters and bottles at Zack Ryder or Matt Cardona, excuse me. Uh, you know, so we've just kind of created this, you know, this culture out and, and it's in the niche, the bubble of wrestling. And, you know, it's this woke fan. Uh, they love all the indie stuff. And, and we listen to what they say. Uh, it's, you know, it's it defies logic. Hey, Cardona, he's talking about like old school heel. That's what he's coming off as. I mean, that right, getting heat, <laughs> tricking, you know, basically working the quote unquote smart fans. And I mean, he seems to be uh, doing right things. Obviously, if they're throwing stuff in, in the ring, at one point, it could be a good thing because you're getting heat, but obviously not if they're throwing dangerous items. 
Yeah. So my problem with the heat is really, what does it really translate into? Right. Cause heat to me is really money drawing stuff, right? You're the crowd hates you so much that they want to pay to see you get beat. Right. And I, I don't right. think that's the case with GCW. I think it's a bunch of spoiled brats who, uh, like MDK guy, whatever the hell, uh, okay. his name is. Um, and, and, you know, so that's what you gotta, you got, they want you to believe you have to love that stuff now. And he was on AEW too. There's a little bit of a relationship there with Game Changer and AEW, no doubt. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I just think it's par for the course with AEW. Uh, they just continue to expose themselves as a really just a Bush League indie with a TV deal operation every single week, it seems like. Um, just not impressed with, you know, why do you want that sort of an element in your wrestling company? I, I, I don't know. So, you know, I have to question that decision making. Seems like if you have a following, if it's niche or not, AEW wants you like Orange Cassidy being from New Jersey. I, yeah. I know like a bunch of these guys, Janela had a following in New Jersey. Cassidy had a following mm -hmm. Marco stunt. It seems like anybody that has a niche following Tony Khan will definitely sign or, or bring in for extended period of time on the show. Yeah. I, I mean, there's a big buddy system in AEW. Just looking at some of the folks who've come in like the AEW dark, et cetera. Um, but Tony Khan is a mark. He's a fanboy above all. And, you know, he is uh, Dave Meltzer mind. That's who he grew up with as an influence. Um, so you see it in his show, in his booking. Uh, and, and that's not a compliment. <laughs> that's not a good thing. Is Brian, Daniel Bryan, Brian Danielson, and CM Punk, are they on their way to AEW? That seems to be the rumor mill all over the place. Your former uh, ringside news who used to work for they're reporting it and a bunch of other places are reporting it yeah um that certainly does seem to be the case yeah i i never heard of any uh real talks with uh cm punk and wwe at all so i know that was a report at one point um so yeah so it looks like that's going to happen and tony khan had to do that you know don't get me wrong um he had to make that move to improve that niche audience he's going to gain viewers that are in the niche. I mean, Daniel Bryan or Brian Danielson, you know, and, and Phil Brooks are not going to be two mainstream attractions that are going to draw in new wrestling fans. I'm sorry. That's not what's going to happen. They're going to draw in current wrestling fans that don't watch AEW. You know, that's what, that's what the eyes are going to be. You know, CM Punk to the mainstream fan. Who's not a hardcore wrestling fan. He's just a guy that was a wrestler that couldn't cut it in real fighting. It's going back to play fighting because he couldn't cut it in the UFC. That's not a mainstream draw. It's just not. I love Brian Danielson, but I don't see him as like the game changer that they say. I mean, this is not like Lesnar, somebody who's a huge name and a huge draw, even though he's a big name and obviously former mm -hmm. WWE champion multiple times. And he got some of the biggest crowd reactions to WWE, but I just don't see him as like the mainstream guy. There's like the Lesnar's of the world. And, and like if Cena were to jump ship, he's more mainstream. Like guys like that would, would be game changers to me. Yeah. What's a game changer anyway, right? I mean, let's define what that is because you know, wrestling is not doing great viewership, right? Yeah, like uh, who would so, be? It would be like Hogan in the NWO. Like that's a game yeah. changer. Like yeah, what nowadays, game? yeah, nowadays we're we're kind of grasping at straws as like who's the game changer? Yeah, game changer. What is that? An extra hundred thousand fans? 
right <laughs> that is today right you know so it's not like foley being a game changer Eight hundred thousand fans flipped over you know yeah right definitely not. yeah no so it's a totally different scale there yeah uh, not it it's not a game changer at all it'll get more eyes you know from within that wrestling bubble on the show no question um so we had to do it but you know at some point you would think tony khan has got to start playing to somewhat of a mainstream audience uh, and he has not done a lot of that at all. Tyson mixed in with Shaq, but then they don't go back to it, or they, they kind of blew it with them, so to speak. I mean, mm-hmm. it wasn't wasn't anything great. Yeah, I think that's you know one of my big criticisms of Tony Khan as a booker is he's so inconsistent. You know, something could be hot, and he does it for a week, and you don't hear about it again. You know, there's no follow up. You don't know what's you know. It's two months later. He has this ADD booking. It's very interesting um, that prevents them from telling a lot of really good stories. It's funny too because when even when they had Sting and you could say, "Oh, he's sixty, whatever," not a big draw. He had interest because there was over a million people watching when he returned, and then a week later they were done because like that's what they did. Even a good buddy of mine, we used to go to all the shows together. He's like, "Oh, Sting is on," so you know he'll watch it. And he goes. He's now he's this guy's manager. Like, <laughs> like what's going on with this guy? Like, yeah, I'm done or whatever. He's like, I'm going back to not watching wrestling. So it's like you have something. Ah, oh, then he drops the ball. It's very puzzling. Yeah, I, I don't get it at all. Um, he's just, you know, he spent a lot of money signing these folks like Paul White, Mark Henry, Sting, you know, you name it. And, you know, what has he done with those guys? You know, yeah, what's um, the ROI? Yeah. I, what's the ROI on on Big Show doing commentary on a YouTube show for the amount of money you signed him for? How does that make sense? Doesn't at all. Now that you basically not even using him, essentially. Easy money. For him, yeah. Oh, big time, yes. So as we hit the wind down, we head towards the finish here. What's next for you, Brad? What do you got, what do you got coming up next? That's a great question. Um, you never know what story I'm going to break next, but certainly... Uh, I will continue to be writing and doing unique content um, from a podcast perspective as well at airportappeal.substack.com. You know, that's where I'm putting all of my wrestling stuff. So definitely keep an eye on that and my Twitter um, as long as I'm not banned. Uh, and that is at it's Brad Shepard, S H E P A R D. Anything you could tell us, any nugget, any little piece of information? That might be out there that would be interesting to the wrestling audience. Hmm. The uh, recent event with uh, Atlanta, they had just lined up a different show for later in the year. Uh, you know, that that live event was canceled. Yep. Um, they were just lining up a show for later in the year. It, it you know, there were some uh, conspiracies about, oh, AEW had something to do with that. Yeah, that's uh, what which, I heard. Yeah. Yeah. Which is not true. Interesting. Huh? Not everything you read on the internet is true. I've been uh, um, imagine that. Yeah, yeah. You know, people should question things more. Uh, whether it's me, whether it's Dave, whether it's political news, whatever it is, um, have an open mind and be willing to accept that something you're reading is not true. Are you going to continue to be a heat magnet on the uh, on the? Because you said you might be banned from Twitter. Are you going to continue to be a heat magnet? Yeah, I think so. I mean. Look, I'm just going to continue to be honest, right? And if that draws heat, so be it. If it doesn't, that's cool too. Um, it's not like I want to be some hardcore villain, 
I just want to be honest because I feel that I owe that to, um, you know, the people that I'm, I'm talking to, right. Whether it's a, a tweet or whether it's an in-person conversation, you know, I, I feel I owe it to people to be honest. It's my personality too. Uh, and, and so everybody loves honesty until they don't, right. <laughs> everybody pretends to like it, but sometimes they don't when it's not the news or, or something they want to hear. So I think really just that's what a lot of it comes down to. You know, it's just I'm being honest and I'm and I'm saying what you're thinking. Gotcha. gotcha. So, Brad, thank you uh, so much for all the time today. I appreciate it. And obviously, everyone uh, check out airportappeal.substack.com for more from Brad. But Brad, thank you so much. Thanks, John. It was a pleasure. This has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Man Power Trip. You can check us out on Facebook. You can subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash tmptempire to become a patron. And also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two Man Power Trip, where the power lies brother.